This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? A uh, happy Tuesday afternoon to you all, whether you're joining us on YouTube or on the podcast. Great to have you with us for another jam-packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's good? Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. We've got a great show coming up today. We'll get to the latest on the Cup Final, which is not over. The Habs live to see another day. The excitement for Bomber training camp continues to grow heading into this weekend. Ed Tate's going to join us on Friday for a full Bomber training camp preview. But today, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll welcome in the newest member, the Blue Bomber receiving core, a guy that you may have had on your NFL fantasy team in years past, Cam Meredith, former Chicago Bear, former New Orleans Saint, and now Winnipeg Blue Bomber will join us. And an amazing story about Meredith in that he met a girl from Winnipeg a few years back and ended up coming here, spending a lot of time here, now buying a house here, having a couple kids, and um, part of our community and now part of our football team. So uh, really looking forward to talking to Cam Meredith, finding a little bit more about his background, discuss his NFL experience, and look ahead to the next chapter of his football career with the Blue and Gold here in Peg City. And a little later on in the program, Steve Simmons, one of the all-time great columnists in Canadian sports. Some people love him, some people hate him. I've always got time to talk to Cy. We'll get to the Stanley Cup final. A huge, huge day tomorrow for Canadian tennis, as well as the NBA finals and what happened to Canada's Olympic hopes in basketball. So all that coming up a little bit later on. As always, we're brought to you by our great friends at Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and of course, all our lines provided by Cool Bet. I did do a new edition of the Lock Shop this morning. If you missed that, you can check my Twitter, at Hustlerama or Dustin Nielsen's. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast and you haven't checked out the Lock Shop before, uh, just go to wherever you're getting Winnipeg Sports Talk, type in Lock Shop. We'll be doing one episode a week for the next few, uh, the next probably six, seven weeks, and then launching a new schedule all over the National Football League, the CFL, and everything going on when it comes to sports betting in September. So uh, definitely hit up that lock shop. Fun show today, talking about, um, well, all the big games in and around sports. Let's get Remus in here to get things going before Cam Meredith and Steve Simmons join the program. Remo, what's going on? How uh, how shocked are you that we're still talking about a Stanley Cup final that is not over? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty surprised. I was kind of hoping us that we would have, you know, a hero last night. Uh, you'd have an overtime cup winner or a dying seconds cup winner that we could remember for a long time. I mean, they're still showing highlights last night of Juve Krups, goal from 1996 <laughs> over Florida to win the cup. So would we have someone? And then I think they got that power play. As it seemed like they Tampa got a bit in their own heads maybe making one too many passes. Four minutes at the end, a brutal high stick there from uh, Weber on Palat. Although, if you ask Habs fans, I think they'll say that he didn't touch his face. Uh, so, so, uh, that he almost w- didn't get called. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> almost had another Corey Perry situation. I mean, they really didn't want to call that. But the uh, they didn't even want to call it four minutes, you know, two or four. But he drew blood. Rule. I mean, that's one of the few rules where it's like you see blood, uh, even if, according to Habs fans, barely touch his face, you got to call call four. So I was, uh, you know, great goal by Anderson at the end. I mean, what an effort. And 
You know, if uh, you didn't see on social media, you and I joined Brandon Rewicki's podcast yesterday after the game Skates and Plates. It's on our on our social medias, uh, on our Twitter. But I said that Josh Anderson's goal, that was a man's goal. See how he <laughs> stripped the, the puck? Hashtag men. He, uh, he had to show some real man strength, uh, getting knocked down, getting up. Uh, never gave up on that play. So full credit to him on that goal. That what a awesome. game he had. And listen, you know, Anderson has been such an interesting uh, guy to follow through the playoffs and that, you know, he has been very noticeable at times. He's played with a lot of physicality, but I mean, he hadn't been scoring and um, got the first one yesterday. Of course, gets the OT winner, becomes an overtime hero. But you nailed it. I mean, that goal was was special. I mean, the effort that he put forth to get past Ruta to get it in over to Caulfield, and then he was down and out on his ass behind the net and immediately got up, jumped out into the play, jumped on that loose puck and put it in. And um, listen, I feel good for the Habs to, to get that done. I mean, I'm, I've am i said on the record before, and I think most hockey fans in Canada want their team to be the next team that wins the Cup. And, you know, listen, we all know what it's like to have the Habs or Leafs fans invade your building and have it be a half uh, a 50-50 um, situation which is frustrating to the home squad. Mm. If the Habs win the then the Stanley Cup, prepare for it to be much more uncomfortable going forward. Even still, I mean, with the fact that they swept the Jets, the Habs fans will have lots to cheer about going forward. Uh, but listen, Tampa has been the class of the league throughout these playoffs, but credit where credit is due to Montreal. And man, the way the game started last night, Remus, it certainly did not look like there was the potential of this series heading back to Tampa. But it's funny what one goal can do to turn a game around. And that's exactly what happened when the Habs got up one nothing, had their first lead of the series. And, you know, had a couple credit to Tampa to come back. I mean, man, the Pat Maroon goal, the the, the play by Matthew Joseph to set him up was, I mean, that, that that's a fourth line on a Stanley Cup champion team. I mean, what a play that was. And, and Joseph, it'd be interesting to see where he goes from here because he's shown that he is very much capable of being a regular in the National Hockey League. And, He's sort of been a, a victim of uh, the numbers game on a team that is well-documented way over the salary cap in the playoffs, but that won't be the case next year. So um, they did it, but hey, Montreal got it done. Shea Weber's four minutes in the penalty box, I'm sure, was the longest four minutes of his life. And count me as one of them um, that did not believe that we would be getting to the three-minute mark of overtime. I was convinced that that series was going to end on that power play, but it didn't. And uh, I'm pumped that we've got a game five. I'll tell you what. The other thing, I think we talked about this yesterday on the program. The mayor of Tampa sort of asking if the Lightning could maybe take it easy a little bit yesterday because they really would love to see the team win at home. Well, be careful what you wish for. I will just say that in the big picture, if you believe in karma, something like that can really blow up in your face. So I'm not sure that it's a fait accompli that this series is going to end in game number five, but I do know the Tampa Bay Lightning will be ready. The stadium will be packed, presumably, unless they get hit by a hurricane. And uh, I do think there's tropical storm warnings for Florida right now. So we've got lightning, we've got hurricanes, and we've got the Habs. going to be an interesting couple days heading into game five, Reem. Yeah, I saw a video of them taking away, um, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning flags on some boardwalk there just to, in preparation for this tropical storm. We'll see. You know, they did relax the travel rules. So if you were a Montreal fan and you wanted to go to the game, you could definitely do that and, uh, you know, avoid uh, quarantining, assuming I think you got to pass. Mike McIntyre is doing a great job documenting his trip. Huh. 
Uh, what a night it. he had last night, yeah. huh? Going into OT without the column done and not knowing where yeah. you're flying the next morning. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty wild. So, but it was kind of funny. I mean, we t- talked coming into the game, or all, actually all playoffs. It's been where's where's Romano have been? Where's this guy been? He's a big prospect. He's got the uh, popular young guns card. You know, finally after not playing their bottom two D and what Merrill and Gustafson that much, they said, okay, we're gonna roll the dice. We're going Romanov and Kulak. Who scores? Romanov. Who assists it? Uh, Jake Evans, who was put in for uh, Kotkaniemi, and that was in the third period. And then, you know, you kind of thought, okay, it's done. But as you mentioned, Pat Maroon, beautiful goal to tie. And uh, someone said here to, uh, in chat, uh, Tampa folded aces in, in overtime, says Tyler Young. And I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of uh, agree. They were, I mean, they were primed. They were ready to go. You thought they were going to win. And... Um, uh, they didn't. So, I mean, full credit to Montreal. I think they deserved one of those games. But can they win another three in a row against this Tampa team? I doubt it. But, I mean, they're in. I looked at the odds, actually. Uh, cool bet. As they head into overtime, just to see. And I looked at, uh, I do decimal odds, Huss. It's easier to understand growing up playing pro line. Uh, <laughs> so, Tampa was 1.5. Montreal was 2.5. I didn't, I didn't bet. But I was like, you know, Montreal 2.5. That's actually... I mean, just in one goal, it can happen. But I mean, with that three-minute power play or three-minute power was that play, was the whole thing. I'll be yeah. honest. I mean, I looked and I did a little sprinkle on the lightning at that point, thinking that you know it wasn't going to get to three. But you know, credit to the Habs—they've been my nemesis throughout the playoffs, dating back to round number one. And I think there's a lot of people yeah. that have been in my shoes. But listen, I'm pumped that they won the game. Um, it should be a great hey. atmosphere in Tampa on for game five the cup will be in the building and i'll tell you what if they are going to win it heck of a lot better to win it at home after they won it in the bubble last year Reem. yeah and uh you know full crowd of fans and i think a lot of people were talking about the fan presence in montreal yesterday because you know they said <laughs> 3500 were in there and we joked on the skates and plates podcast that like was that a real 3500 because you know normally at a game uh, you're inflating attendance like uh, WWE used to do. And they'd be like, oh, capacity crowd, you know, over 100,000, just trying to get that record. <laughs> Montreal's doing the exact opposite. They're telling people it's 3,500. But, I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm not good at counting people, but everyone on my Twitter seemed to think it was more. But it is very odd with, um, you know, the, all the fans. You're sorry, not as many fans inside. But outside, it's shoulder to shoulder. And I don't know what to make of that. Um I don't. I mean, I have no idea. I'm not a not a person of expertise in that area. But it is it is interesting to see. I'll point that out. Listen, if we're talking about 3,500 being the number over or under, I will happily take the over on last night's attendance. I mean, what it could have been, Remus, is 3,500 Canadians fans and an extra 5,000 arena workers that yeah. uh, <laughs> happen to use their fob to get in to see what's going on. I will agree. From the visuals on television, it looked like it was more than 3,500. Not that I care. I was hoping that they, frankly, would have uh, a larger a larger number in the building. Um, but the scenes outside, and I got to give the Hab fans a lot of credit. I mean, I saw our pal Rod Peterson was out you know, in downtown Montreal before the game at about 1.30, walking by the rink, and it was a ghost town. There was nobody there, and he said this city it essentially feels like this series is over and you can kind of feel all the energy coming out of the city after that game three loss but i'll tell you what man when you got to last night and saw those scenes outside and the pictures outside after anderson's ot winner 
um, was awesome. So there obviously is still a lot of fan, uh, fans there that still believe in their team or wanted to be there and support them right down to the final minute. And uh, I know Samuel 22, I'm not sure if he's in here yet. He'll be quite happy. Uh, listen, I am happy for Habs fans. They have had such a great run. They deserved a better fate than being swept, especially the way they played in game two of this series. So uh, I'm not sure whether they're entirely ready to say series on, but it won't be a sweep. That's a good thing. We will have a game on Wednesday night. That's a really good thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, the Habs, uh, <laughs> ask, the, ask the Maple Leafs how tough they were to finally kill. So um, Tampa Bay still needs to win one more. They'll get a chance to do that in front of a packed house, presumably weather permitting, as they say, uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, well, I'm kind of curious. I know there's a lot of media there. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But not a sweep, and they won't be. The Habs won't be lumped in us with that great 1998 Washington Capitals team, which was the last team uh, to get swept. I, you notice how I love how they point out these great teams from the 90s. Uh, seemingly every broadcast, oh, Juve Krupp with the last goal, and then that 98 with Peter Bondra, Olaf Kolzig, Dale Hunter was the captain. Swept by Detroit, but yes, Montreal uh, moving on. So, I mean, we'll see We'll see what happens. A lot of people has talking about as well. I don't know, do we have time to get into this here? The interview with Gary Bettman during the uh, first intermission with Ron McLean. Yeah, uh, McLean, McLean's taking a lot of heat for not mm-hmm. getting to the Chicago situation. And, I mean... Listen, uh, the commissioner is only getting in front of the media rarely. Um, This is a time that traditionally they would talk about the pressing issues for the league. And I don't think there's any question that that was one. But at the same time, I I think they go over things beforehand. And I think it was pretty clear from what we heard from Bill Daly and Gary Bettman at the state of the league address with the questions posed their way. Um, you know, in the most lawyerly way, they basically said the investigation is ongoing and that's all that we'll talk about it right now. So it would have been more for appearance because I don't think there was any chance that any information was coming out of that. Um, But listen, a lot of people gave uh, Ron McLean a hard time for that. I think he's in a tough situation being, you know, the broadcaster, the partner of the National Hockey League in that, as opposed to the independent journalists that are, you know, they're, for things like the press conference. But Remo, the thing that got people the most fired up around here was Gary Bettman's praise for one, George Peros and the yeah. officials of the NHL. Yeah, and I agree with uh, everything you just said. Uh, but, you know, they were talking about the Olympics and stuff, and I think officiating has been a topic. And to be fair, it, it always is. Um, maybe it's ever seems seems like this or every year. It's like, oh, well, this year more so the officiating. But I think player safety and discipline I think people have concerns about the lack of consistency. And uh, Gary Bettman said, uh, and I quoted him, he said, I tweeted it out and got a lot of reaction. Uh, George Peros <laughs> is doing a terrific job and has been very consistent. And I think that's that's paraphrasing, but let me just double, uh, double check the quote. Yes, has done a terrific job and has been very consistent. That is what he said. And I think... I, kind of, I don't want to say like my jaw like dropped or I spit out my drink or anything. It's just like... Come on, man. Like, that's no one is thinking that. And the someone, commissioner is trolling Winnipeg Jet fans. That's well, all. That's all there well, is to it. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear. A lot of, you know, fans have issues with the not just Jets fans with the Shafley call, but I know with the Tom Wilson suspensions and, you know, other hits we've seen where guys get fined for, I would call them dangerous plays or injuries. And they haven't been consistent. And for him to come out and say, 
he's doing a terrific job and he's been tremendous and he's been very consistent. I mean, it's kind of just it's kind of just like mocking everyone who's a fan of hockey. That's kind of how how I took it. Yeah, well, the commissioner and if you're like, what's he what's he supposed to say? He's been terrible and we're going to review it. I mean, maybe it would be nice. Maybe we need to review some of our processes. I think would be dude, appropriate. Dude, if you're expecting that sort of honesty at any time by a head of any professional league, you're going to be waiting a long, long it's time, just, unfortunately. It's really sad how it's become acceptable just to like straight faced lie to everyone when you're a leader of a, a big organization like the NHL, just to openly say, you know what, our refs are the best are the best refs of any sport. I mean, no one believes that. Come on. And I agree. And I agree. To be fair, I agree that refing uh, is an impossible, thankless job. It's it's you know tremendously difficult, especially at the NHL. But I think we can all agree that there's definitely been issues um, with the you know just how games are called in the regular season versus the playoffs. I don't think I don't think that's an incorrect statement. No, no, I, I listen, I, I'm with you on that. Give us your thoughts in the chat right now. And as always, if you're listening on the podcast, you can always hit us with feedback on our social media channels, including our Twitter page at Sports Talk WPG. Make sure you're following on that if you're not already. All right, coming up in just a second. Cannot wait for this new member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Cam Meredith is going to join us. Before that, do want to shout out our friends at Royal Sports. Now, in about, for those of you watching live, top of the hour, Italy, Spain, kicking off in the semifinal of Euro 2020. If you haven't already picked up your Euro gear, Royal Sports has you all set up. I know there's a lot of England fans that want to get those flags and jerseys ready for their big game against Denmark tomorrow. Royal Sports is the most elite store, frankly, of all time, if you want my own personal opinion, whether it comes to the bikes, the camping equipment, the expanded fitness center, the best selection of merchandise of any store I've ever seen in my life. Not to mention, summer's here. We want to play soccer, softball, disc golf, even hockey right now is the hockey superstore. It's all there right now. Pop on down to Royal Sports, but especially if you're pumping up Italy, England, Denmark, get down there, get your jersey before the big game. And of course, the Euro final on Sunday. We'll talk about that more coming into the weekend. Um, Finally cooled down a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the blizzards from the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Of course, the Dairy Queens in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, and listen, it's still definitely blizzard weather. But as we talked about with Rewiki last night, we don't really give that ultimate grill burger enough credit at Nick and Nikki DQs. Um, I would suggest going anywhere, but especially the St. Anne's one. Little industry secret. They've got the flat top grill. So if you love the flat top grill, try out the ultimate grill burger over at the St. Anne's one. But it's elite no matter where you get it. And uh, you can also pick up one of those great DQ cakes for a special occasion. If you're looking for one of those, follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and send them a message. They'll get you all set up and you can pop by and pick it up. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki and the four DQs that uh, are under their guidance. And of course, Boston Pizza. The summer menu is here. I have made my triumphant return to the Boston Pizza Lounge. Got in there on Saturday afternoon to watch England and Ukraine. While I was there, I couldn't help but notice the uh, couple bulldog margarita fish bowls heading out to the patio. The white sangria smash, the peach mojito royale. 
as well as the Galaxy Fishbowl, all sorts of great summer patio drinks that are just launching right now, and two new sandwiches, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. You know that's going to be a big winner in Winnipeg, as well as the Burger Italiano. Get on out there. we got NBA Finals tonight. Stanley Cup back at it tomorrow. It's great to have the Boston Pizzas back open. We'll see you down at BP. All right. Cannot wait for this. I'm talking on the show for the last few days about the latest addition to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And our next guest is a guy that both Remus and I had on our fantasy team at one point back for his time in the National Football League. But the story of how Cam Meredith came and became a Winnipeg Blue Bomber is a very interesting one. So let's wait no more and welcome in Cam Meredith, the newest receiver for the Blue and Gold to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Cam, what's up? Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. I see I got the memo with the blue hats here, so. Yeah, you got it. Well, there'll be a lot more blue and gold going on coming forward. We're counting down to training camp getting going. Um, this Your story is is amazing. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about your NFL experience in a second, but I think people are most interested in is uh, – you know, how it came to be that you're now a member of the Blue Bombers. And the biggest part of that and your path to Winnipeg is meeting a girl from Winnipeg and now having a family here. Yeah, I know, right? You know, as as, uh, as you're saying that, she's holding our brand new daughter. She's fresh to the world. So I go ahead and give you guys one. <laughs> Look at that. What's her name? Her name's Kamaya. She just got back from the doctor's office. So, so hey. <laughs> she's adorable well congratulations to you both and i guess that's number two now for you and the family yeah that's number two but i think we uh we're gonna settle down for now and get back to football so we're excited <laughs> um yeah like you said it was, it's been a long road but uh you know we started off in new orleans kind of connected the dots from there and then uh once i met christy and started spending some time out here in winnipeg it was it was kind of a perfect scenario for us now, um, t- tell us if, quickly, just give us your background. Where did you grow up, uh, college football, before you ended up? Uh, like, where where, where was the uh, the grind that uh, became, turned Cam Meredith into a pro footballer? Yeah, I mean, I'm from uh, Westchester, Illinois, uh, suburb outside Chicago. Um, you know, I, sp- I played football since the time I was six years old. And um, I started high school with a, a program that wasn't that great, you know, but we had a lot of guys who loved football. And, um, you know, that kind of instilled a lot of, Grit in a, in a lot of us, you know, even though we didn't have the best record um, to show for it, we still had a lot of talent and a lot of guys who love football. So I took my talents to uh, Illinois State. And uh, from there, I walked on and uh, earned a scholarship my, my second year. I was playing quarterback my whole life and had a chance to switch positions. And, you know, I guess it was a good idea because it ended up with, uh, you know, me and the number one role in receiver in Chicago. So um, you know, a lot of things don't go the way you, you look for them to go, you know, perfect pitches, but, uh, things planned out perfectly here. Well, and I can imagine being an Illinois kid, um, yeah, no, right. having the opportunity just to go to the national football league is a dream come true, but to, to be a go-to guy on the monsters of the midway with the Chicago bears for a kid from Illinois. I mean, that must've been even, even more incredible for you. Oh yeah. It was, a, it was, uh, as Drake say, what a time to be alive. But um, <laughs> it was definitely a fun ride. I, I enjoyed every every bit um, of time I spent there with the Bears. And, um, you know, to be able to drive past Soldier Field every day as a kid and not really go to a, a Bears game when I was a kid, but to be able to play there, you know, before I even gone to a game was, was kind of crazy. So a lot of blessings, man. 
Cam Meredith of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joining us. Now that first year with the Bears, I mean, you were, and this always happens, you know, you see some exciting newcomers come in and certainly for the fantasy players, like, who's this guy going for 100 yards in Chicago and get him picked up? Uh, that that year, I mean, for you coming into the league, and listen, it was a struggle for the team overall. It wasn't a great season wins and losses wise, but what an opportunity for you to come in and a team that was in transition and you did it. It's not like you did it just with one quarterback as well. I mean, you went down to the list. I mean, a number of different QBs were playing and you were pretty consistent. Tell us about that first season and how you sort of broke into the NFL. Um, I mean, like you said, it was a lot of opportunities that come, you know, out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to step up when some guys went down. And uh, after not really playing much my rookie year, getting a lot of time to get the timing in and practice, get my get my reps in. Um, yeah, man, like that second year going in, that first start, I had 100 yards, a touchdown. It was a, a real opportunity to just kind of get me going, you know, because you can't ask for a better start than a 100-yard game and a touchdown in your first start in the NFL. So, I mean – from there, it was kind of history. And I, I even before that, the first preseason game as a rookie, I knew I belonged. So, I mean, but either way, it's professional football. And, you know, that's what I do. So it was good to have a whole season where I could prove that I belong there and, and do it, especially doing it in my hometown. Well, and of course, I mean, the unfortunate reality of professional football is that it's, uh, I mean, injuries are part of the game and it can really set you back. I mean, you, you, you spent some time out, but obviously what you've done on the field was enough to get interest from around the league. You get the free agent contract with the New Orleans Saints and go to New Orleans. And then that is sort of, it seemed where the injuries became more of an issue. Tell us about what happened in New, in New Orleans. Obviously, you get the chance to, to play with New England, but still weren't quite physically there. Um, but obviously, time heals all wounds, and I imagine you're uh, looking forward to showing a, almost a new improved Cam Meredith when you get on the three-down field coming up in a month or so. Yeah, I mean, like you said, injuries are a part of the game, and to be able to deal with them in, um, in an orderly fashion is, 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 is uh, you know, up to whoever the case may be. So, um, I had a knee situation there and in, in New Orleans, I was not really where I wanted to be, you know, especially in the position I was at. I was with Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I definitely look back at that and like not necessarily regret, but I wish I could have done more. And um, I'm just glad that I was able to soak all that in, get more knowledge of the game, um, you know, spend time with more good players and, uh, you know, well, a lot of good things came from that, you know, not necessarily on the field, but but definitely off to make me a better player. So I'm excited well, it, to see where we go from there. Well, yeah. it, it looks like you're a pretty elite dad, I will say. I can't <laughs> believe how good your daughter's being, just being a part of this interview. This is wonderful. And, yeah, she's you know, hungry, but it's all good. The last two years have been so, cr- so crazy, I think, for everybody. And, I mean, you dealing with the injury, being on the physically unable to perform list in New England, and then having time away, um, I imagine the focus was to do everything you could to make the most of this time, both from a health perspective, to get you back to be able to get back on the football field, um, but also as a family man to uh, kind of set down some roots and uh, to grow your family. And obviously, congratulations on the new addition as well as the house here in the Win- Winnipeg. Tell us about what these last couple of years have been like for you um, in a very weird time for everybody, regardless of your profession. I mean, like you said, I'm trying my best, <laughs> uh, you know, going through injury, trying to get rehab, um, you know, becoming a dad too. Um, life comes at you fast, man. And uh, to be able to to kind of get grounded, like you said, um, you know, get back to square one as a person and then, 
you know, also get my body right and figure out what was necessarily wrong with me and not necessarily anything wrong, but how to make myself a better player, especially after what's gone down in my career. Because I'm definitely a believer that this isn't an end all be all. You know, I'm I'm here to, you know, make plays and, and you know, get back to the top of the mountain, you know, metaphorically. So, um, like you said, it was a lot of time spent grinding, uh, massaging, rehabbing, arping, needling, <laughs> whatever you call it, you know, and, and a lot of dirty diapers. So it's, it's been a lot, you know, but uh, like you said, it's, it's 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 humbling and it's grounding and it's a blessing, you know, at the end of the day. So it, tell us about how long has home base been here in Winnipeg for you, Cam? Um, I guess I've been coming here on and off about like three, four years, but um, I'd say about five months. We just got a new house over here. So um, we're just getting settled in and, uh, you know, getting the kids accustomed to routine and whatnot. So it's been good. You know, it's been staying warm. Hopefully it doesn't come to a cool front too fast, <laughs> but uh, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, uh, how much of your time in Winnipeg has been set, spent in the winter months, uh, as it were? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, you... I think all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm never, I'm never able to come out here. Then, well, sometimes I come out here, go go to the lake, and do things with the family over here. So it's 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 a little bit of both. Um, That's uh, my skating. <laughs> so you said, so you know what's up. I mean, you're not coming here. Why did I going? Oh, I haven't. I've always been here in the summer. I don't know what the winters are like. Oh because... no, I got a pair of skates. You know, I got... <laughs> My son's got a stick, so it's all good. I'm, I'm low-key half Canadian, but no. Well, this is amazing. Um, tell us about how everything came together with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. At what point did you even think that that was an option for you? And um, how did um, at what led to the workout with Buck Pierce and Kyle Walters and whatnot before you signed your contract? Um, like, um, I would say probably back when I was with the Saints, um, you know, I was practicing, but not necessarily doing all the drills with the team. And, uh, you know, every day I would see, uh, you know, guys from the CFL, scouts, coaches. And um, I stopped for a second to talk to the Winnipeg scout and, and the coach. And, and I mentioned to him that I come out to Winnipeg quite a bit. And my girlfriend was from here. So, um, you know, we had a quick chat and uh, it went pretty well. But uh, we didn't we didn't necessarily know anything would come of it. But um, like I said, at the time, you know, I was just uh, one of those things the universe kind of throws at you, you know. And uh uh, next thing you know, a couple years gone by, I haven't really played in the league and um, looking for an opportunity to kind of get back on the field. So um, Winnipeg was willing to look at me and here I am. <laughs> well, and you're coming into a pretty good football team. Well, certainly yeah. as we last remember them, it, it's such a bizarre situation too, because you're coming on to a championship squad, but one that hasn't played in over oh, a year. And, you know, naturally there'll be all sorts of new faces. Um, do you know many of the guys? I mean, how much do you know, Jim? Do you know much about the organization and some of your new teammates other than the people that you worked out with earlier? Yeah. I mean, um, I know Big Hill. We spent some time together with the Saints when he was out there. So um, he's been a good guy to get me accustomed to the building, accustomed to the team. So, um, I really appreciate him. Um, you know, he, he doesn't live too far from me, so uh, we, we definitely uh, are in touch a little bit. So um, things are becoming, you know, home slowly but surely. So uh, everything's going pretty good. Um, CFL game is certainly, it's still football, but it is different than the National Football League. Have you thought at all about, particularly for your position, the motion before and whatnot, how different is this going to be for you as opposed to what you did in the four-down game? Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, it's all football at the end of the day, but the rules are a little, a little bit different. Um, you got the field is wider, and uh, obviously the waggles and the motions and stuff before the the, uh, the snap. So 
at the end of the day, you just got to put the time into it. I got to go out there and get some reps, see the game a little bit more. I spent a little time watching CFL football before, so it's not something, you know, completely foreign. So I'm um, I'm grateful about that. So I'm excited to go out there and try something new, and then hopefully that <laughs> brings something out new in me, you know, that I didn't even know I had. So I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Um, you know, from the time that you've been in Winnipeg, um, the team hasn't been playing, but uh, I, I imagine just from working with Big Hill and knowing the fact that the team finally ended that drought in 2019, uh, you must be well aware about um, not only how important the Bombers are to this community, but just how excited people are to get back into IG Field and uh, cheer on the Blue and Gold, hopefully uh, for another great cup run. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the Jets and the Bombers around here, so... I've known that for a little while, but uh, yeah, to be coming off of a championship run and then win the champ, the, the great cup and have to sit out after riding that momentum has probably been waiting. Everybody's been waiting. Anticipation is probably is, is super high for everybody. So um, I know the guys are antsy and ready to get back to play on the field. I know I am. And I know the fans are ready to get back into a, a stadium and scream, drink beer and eat hot dogs, whatever. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited. And, and you know, hopefully, uh, things kind of get back to normal and we can have um, somewhat of a crazy season like they did in 2019. Cam Meredith, newest member of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber receiving Corps, right. with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Cam, before we go, I mean, you've been, uh, you're you're now one of us. You, you live here in Winnipeg. What are your favorite things about the city that uh, you've picked up, your favorite spots to go since you've been here uh, as a member of the community before you put on the jersey? Oh, putting on the spot. Uh I mean, I spent a, we spent quite a bit of time at Joey, uh, the restaurant, was before, <laughs> you know, before everything kind of shut down. But, uh, you know, kind of going to the, what's it called again? The Forks, doing some skating, going around the shopping mall. So it's been, um, to be honest with you, it's been a lot of things that I wasn't quite used to. I went to do some uh, skating, like I said, some skating and some snowboarding. But um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been fun, something new. It's um exciting, exciting town that I'm ready to get back to work for, you know. More than anything, and we can already tell from your time with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, I imagine job number one has been dad duty, which uh, which <laughs> got a little busier uh, recently <laughs> with the latest edition. I know, right? It's all good. She's not too too much of a handful, but sometimes she has her ways. But um, she's, she's definitely, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just, just the ladies, but I love it to death. Well, she uh, she was a great addition to our first interview with you on the program. I think the people <laughs> in the chat have been loving her. If you're, oh, nice. and I will say, if you're if you're listening on the podcast afterwards, check out the YouTube because we did get the first glimpse of Ken's beautiful daughter, and uh, <laughs> she was quite the princess on the program as well. Yeah. Um, what's up for you right now? I mean, before training camp, uh, is it just a matter of uh, just making sure you're coming in as healthy as possible? You got to go through a playbook right now. I mean, is there anything to do before the tenth when things get going for you and your new teammates? Um, just the, uh, I guess what you call the final touches, um, get everything situated as far as, you know, being here in Canada as an American and stuff. So, uh, got to get those things settled so I can be here and play and stuff like that. Contracts already done and the body feels good. So, um, like you said, just getting in shape, ready for camp, getting the mind right, going through the playbook, meeting with the coaches, lifting and stuff like that. So, um, it's definitely been a taper down. Uh, type of session right now, but I'm definitely excited to get going again. 
Well, I tell you what, um, it was really exciting news for Bomber fans that were familiar with your background when we heard that the team signed. And I can tell you in the chat, it's just one after another. Welcome to Winnipeg, Cam. Good luck Appreciate with the Bombers job, this season. Um, so I'll tell you what, this has been great having you on the first time. I can tell you, Remus and I will certainly be uh, rostering you in some CFL fantasy this year because you were good to us back in the National Football League. And most importantly, we hope that your time with the Bombers is great for you and for the team. And uh We'll be talking a lot about Cam Meredith after some big games at IG Field when the season kicks off in the Grey Cup rematch against the Tiger Cats on August 5th. We're counting down the days, my friend. 1,000%. Let's get it. Hey, all the best to you and the family, Cam. Let's do this again sometime. But uh, once again, welcome to the Blue Bombers. Great to have you here in Winnipeg, and I can't wait to get the season going. Heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> right yeah. on. There's Cam Meredith of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. With the uh, with the family, what a cute interview that was, and uh, yeah, it took us a little bit to get the audio going, but it all worked out. And uh, uh, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, you know, there uh, I know many of you here are uh, big fantasy guys like us. And when he broke out in that first season, I mean, he had 888 yards, four touchdowns, uh, four 100 yard games, and it was a guy that I don't think you know a lot of people expected at the beginning of the season. And obviously, injury sort of derailed the the career for the last couple seasons, but the skill is still there. If he's able to come in healthy and ready to go, this should be a big, big acquisition and addition to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lineup. So big thanks to Cam Meredith for joining us today. Uh, We'll be talking more Bomber football heading into Friday when Ed Tate joins us for a full training camp preview. Uh, We'll talk more about Meredith's addition and to where he fits into the lineup. And then next week, uh, training camp is on. and We'll uh, have reports throughout the week's before we finally get to the 5th of August and that long-awaited game back at IG Field with the Bombers and Tiger Cats for the first game of three-down football played since the Grey Cup in 2019. Um, do want to thank Not Auto Corp for their sponsorship and support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily from day one. If you're looking for a new vehicle, before you do anything, talk to the experts over at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? They'll also help you move out of the vehicle you're in right now with their very successful consignment program. If you already have a vehicle or you would like to get out of a lease, um, if you need service, they got the Red Seal technicians there. They'll do it excellently and very quickly for you. And they're also doing detailing um, pretty much anything you need. Not Autocorp has it, but especially for those vehicles. And if you're interested in Teslas, they've been the Tesla leader in Winnipeg for years. It's all there at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can check them online at not.ca. Um, Cam just said it himself. Uh, we can't wait to get out to the field and have a few beers and have a few hot dogs and cheer on the bombers again. Well, no matter where you are this summer, if you're looking for a cold beer, may I suggest to you the incredible new summer lager from Little Brown Jug. Uh, One of the two new summer beers, along with the Hefeweizen, which has been very popular as well. They're both available in the summer variety pack. And you don't even need to leave your house if you want to get that summer variety pack because Little Brown Jug has made it easier than ever to order the incredible beers from Little Brown Jug on their website at littlebrownjug.ca with same-day home delivery in the city of Winnipeg. Um, The other option is they're uh, every week out at some of the garden centers on Saturday. And if you go to littlebrownjug.ca and check out the events page, you can order it in advance and pick it up right there at your favorite garden center. But I'd suggest don't wait. Just get it delivered right to your place. 
home uh, via home delivery at Little Brown Jug. And if you're not following them on social media, you should be at LBJ Brewing on Twitter. They've got a great contest right now giving away a Little Brown Jug beer fr- 1919 beer fridge as well as a gift certificate to fill that sucker with some great Little Brown Jug beers. Uh, all you got to do is follow them, retweet it, go to their social media pages at LBJ Brewing and make sure you get on in on that great contest. And we'll have another contest with the Little Brown Jug in a few weeks heading into August long weekend with our friends at Breezy Bend for an incredible round of golf at beautiful breezy, which is in just amazing shape right now. Um, four rounds, couple carts, m- merch package from little Brown jug and a few cold 1919s for you and your friends on the course. So stay tuned on that. You want to be following us at sports talk, WPG and little Brown jug. And uh, of course be here on the reg and uh, you'll get in that marble race and we'll be making someone very happy and they can head out to breezy courtesy of breezy and our friends at little Brown jug. Uh, we always hit the golf for breezy lots going on in the amateur side of things in the province. We'll have to get Munzee on in the next few days or weeks to uh, talk about what's going on as Brian Munz is now working with golf Manitoba, but we can tell you that the John Deere classic tees off on Thursday, Daniel Berger, the favorite at 10 to one, Not a very star-studded lineup for the John Deere this year, so it really is wide open. And many of the top players already overseas playing the Scottish Open, which will get ready for next week's British Open. And I'll look forward to doing a British Open preview with um, Pat and the guys at Coolbet next week, early in the week as well. If you're thinking about getting on with Breezy Bend, a great golfing home for you and your family, great ladies program, junior programs as well. Give Corey Johnson a call at Breezy Bend or find out more online at breezybend.ca and get on that waiting list and be a part of the breezy community next year on the links. All right. Great stuff from Cam Meredith. We appreciate him coming on the program. Let's get Remus back in here for a second before we line it up with Steve Simmons on the program. Um, what a wild story. Hey, Reem, uh, Cam Meredith, you know, meets a Winnipeg girl. And we have, I've always said Winnipeg, the biggest sleeper city ever when it comes to our women. They're beautiful people and beautiful women. And uh, not surprising that it would be one of our women that uh, might be the key to bring in a great addition to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year. Yeah, that was a, a name or some, you know, friends of mine who maybe don't follow the CFL that closely were start texting me, oh, Cam Meredith. Wow, that's a big signing. And I know people have looked up his highlights on YouTube. Um, you can make Cad mentioned he was a quarterback. And I said, I said last time when we talked about him, I said he does have one career pass in the NFL, and it was for a touchdown. So I know the Bombers uh, under Paul Lapolis' OC have done some uh, trickery. Maybe that's a club in the bag for the future. Um, we will we'll wait and see. But, uh, hey, I'll, depending on what his salary is, yeah, I'll roster him. I mean, uh, the Bombers, you know, they had Brian Mitchell before. I liked him uh, back on the Edmonton days, but he decided to retire. So they needed a guy to go opposite Darvin Adams. So uh, they got those two. Uh, Kenny Lawler, I thought was very good before, and they had a number of other other guys. So you need you need not one, not two, but you need a bunch of receivers if you want to be successful. Along with uh, Andrew Harrison, I think the Bombers real good, uh, real good shape here heading into tra- training camp. Well, and, and let's face it. I mean, I think the Bomber attack is going to be very different than what we remembered them winning the Grey Cup with. I mean, without having Chris Streveler in the mix anymore, you know, it fundamentally changes the makeup of the team as we, you know, sort of, you know, as you look forward, I mean, they were such a run heavy offense and I'm not sure how, if we'll see something similar to that. I mean, listen, Andrew Harris is still the man in the backfield, 
but the amount of reps and touches that Harris was getting, I mean, as he gets older, I mean, I think maintaining his health will be huge for the club. Um, and I think that might mean more of a reliance on the passing game, which at times was pretty pedestrian, but Hey, it was all about what makes it work. And um, it worked all the way to a gray cup championship. So I, I got to say that the Cam Meredith, uh, the Cam Meredith, um, signing exciting for a number of reasons, but just a great story behind it all. And um, we're really looking forward to getting into bomber season. As I mentioned, Eddie Tate is going to join us uh, on Friday for a full blue bomber training camp preview. And we'll actually reach out DC and maybe bring on another player in the next few days before things going. I imagine it's a little bit boring right now for the guys at uh, <laughs> guys right now that are doing that one week quarantine uh, but you can see many of them, um, you know, popping out their daily go-tos, meals being delivered to the room and whatnot on Instagram with guys like Willie Jefferson. Uh, I'm going to hook up with Steve Simmons in just a second. Uh, I see Funky, but Chunky is in the chat saying, let's go, sons. Uh, Eric, so I don't see your sons in four sign. I hope that there is, uh, I wouldn't mind Suns in four, but I think more often I'd like a really good series. Interesting to note that Giannis, the Greek freak, Antetokounmpo, who is the star of the Milwaukee Bucks and a two-time MVP, he is going to be, he has been upgraded to questionable for tonight's game number one. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what that means. I mean, if Giannis can't play, I have a hard time seeing the Bucks really being in this series. If Giannis can play, uh, and if he did anything close to, you know, full Giannis, um, that's a game changer. And I think the B Milwaukee Bucks have a very good chance of winning. But certainly if you look at the odds right now, um, they'll tell you that um, it's not, it, it, you know, the money is on on the Suns right now. With the way they played so far, their health, as opposed to what happened in that Bucks-Hawks series, where really both of the two stars, um, Trey Young on the, uh, on the Hawks, as well as Giannis on the Bucks, um, not getting it done or not able to play for a good, big, good part of it. So um, we'll get to all that. Now, uh, hoping to have Steve Simmons join us in just a couple minutes. While we get that set up, I'll uh, do a quick look at our cool bet lines of the day. And speaking of the NBA, the finals, it goes like this. Uh, Bucks, five and a half point underdogs tonight to the Suns. That was six earlier today. So yeah, half point line movement, knowing that Giannis's status has been upgraded at least uh, to questionable money line for tonight's game. Minus two twenty seven. Milwaukee. If you think they can pull the upset, it is plus one ninety three series prices for the entire series. Just very simply to win Phoenix minus one ninety six. And the Milwaukee Bucks are plus 157. And I know many of you, like myself, we've all been saying Suns in four ever since that infamous fight in between the uh, fans of the Suns and the Nuggets in Denver. Well, if you believe in the prophecy of Suns in four, uh, plus 825 uh, to win on that. Moving over to the National Football or National Hockey League, excuse me. Tampa, no surprise, big favorite in tomorrow's game, minus 222 on the money line, plus 185 for the Montreal Canadiens to get this series back to Montreal. And if you like the puck line and think Tampa wins by two, you'll get plus 127 on your money. And uh, listen, if you think that the Habs can still come back, if the Habs have another miracle behind them and another miracle comeback like they had in the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs, 17 to one right now 
Tampa, a ridiculous minus three, 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 three favorite right now. So not a lot of value right now on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the other thing that we'll talk about plenty a little bit later on, but you know, tomorrow as well is uh, the tennis. And uh, we got two Canadians for the first time ever in the quarterfinals. We'll touch on that with Steve Simmons coming up in just a second. Felix Auger, Aliasim, big underdog to Berrettini, the Italian, the seventh seed. Felix is plus 264, but our boy Chapo, a pretty significant favorite. He's going up against 25th seed Carl Hatchinov. Chapo minus 250 on the odds board and uh, Hatchinov plus 217. But we'll talk about that cup final and much more right now as we welcome in our good friend, Toronto son, Colin, Miss the legendary Steve Simmons to the program. Cy, what's up? How are you, my friend? Afternoon, guys. Nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you back. Uh, how's uh, how's things in your neck of the wood? Are you starting to feel the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to COVID and everything is getting a little bit brighter? Uh, it's getting brighter in the real world. It's not getting any different or brighter in the sporting world. I mean, we're still covering things from home and through Zoom calls and through not really talking to anybody unless we're getting them on the phone or that kind of thing. So, you know, getting back to what I think is normal sports coverage, I think might take some time. That said, you know, there's talk of the Blue Jays coming home by the end of July and there's talk of Toronto FC coming home. And and so there are possibilities now, which really there haven't been before. It's funny you say that because even here in Winnipeg, um, you know, of course, the CFL beginning tomorrow night will for the first time have fans at IG Field, 2,000 allowed in. I believe they have to be double vaccinated for the Valor FC CPL game. Um, and we've just got, you know, you mentioned baseball. Um, I know the Gold Eyes put out, a, um, the Gold Eyes, who are our local team here, put out a, a survey asking people how they'd feel about coming back to the ballpark. Uh, but all of that is dependent on the border opening. And that's been a huge issue for all these teams. Hey, Steve, from a media standpoint and someone that's done this for a long time and covered sports all around the world, how would you um, how would you categorize what has happened within media when it comes to covering sports? I mean, you mentioned the Zoom calls, um, which I think have been a challenge, shall we say, for the reporters and certainly the people on the beat. Um, what do you think the takeaways from all this are, and how much of normal as we remember will we get back to? Or are there going to be some things that change for good? Well, I think it depends on what sport we're talking about or what league we're talking about or how it's all going to work. I know people uh, within the NHL at high levels who think it's going to go back to normal once, you know, we're able to get back into dressing rooms and do all that kind of thing. And I know people within the NHL, for example, who say it's never going to get back to normal, that they've discovered that this is a control that they can use for their benefit. And by not exposing their players or limiting the exposure of, of their players, then they're controlling the message all the time. And so it's, it's going to be a real battle fought, I think, between those. And I'm, I'm of the old school variety. Um, my, my job is done best when I can have conversations with people. The more conversations I have, the more information I garner you know, the better I can do what I do, the better stories I can tell. Um, now we're limited. You know, you get your one or two Zoom questions if you get more than one. Mo- most of the time you don't get more than one. And so, like, if you're covering the Stanley Cup like I am right now and I'm doing it from home and you get on a Zoom call and you get one question with uh, John Cooper 
and you have an angle you want to pursue and you don't get any more questions, well, you really can't pursue the angle very well. And so it limits the way you can tell a story. It limits the way you can do your job. I mean, most of the best work I've ever done in my life have been in long conversations or in and around dressing rooms. And, uh, and, and so that's all gone now. And how much the leagues, be it baseball, be it football, um, you know, all of them now, how much they're going to give back will be interesting to monitor post-pandemic. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's a great point. And, and I realize that it changes from market to market. Certainly the Canadian markets, the pressure, of the media is very different than in some of the other markets where I think they want to get out there more, but I will say, you know, from a fan's perspective, I think there's certainly an argument that as much as, you know, there'll be some control freaks that want to control every angle of the message. I don't think the league has benefited from this at all. I mean, some individuals that might've made their jobs easier, but from a from a standpoint of trying to get the personalities and the stories out to the sports fans that at the end of the day are the customer, um, it's really been impacted, Steve. And I don't think that's been a good thing for any parties. Except I know coaches, for example, uh, who want to control their environment. That means their voice or their word is what matters. Uh, how much the players have to say or what they have to say. Each sport's different. Let's be honest. We're, we're Canadian and we're, we're into hockey. And the hockey world, per se, is not an outspoken world. You, if you see what's happened in baseball in the last six months with the sticky substances, with batters chirping at pitchers, with pitchers chirping at batters, with so many controversies about how the game is being played, um, it's not been in baseball's best interest to have their clubhouses open so that, you know, you could talk to people about all these things because the more you talk, the more controversy there's going to be, you know, the harder sometimes it is to sell. Um, if you can control that aspect as a sport or as a league, you might look at it that way. Um, you know, I think again of, of the best sports stories I have read or, or, or watched or been part of or whatever They've all come from relationship building and they've all come from, oh, I get to know Paul Maurice or I get to know Mark Shifley or I get to know somebody. And, and then he gets and then he trusts me when something really important happens that I can tell that story. And and so um, and so you have that. But if you don't have any access to the people, if you're not in the dressing room, if you're not around, you don't build any. You can't build a relationship on a Zoom call. They don't even know who you are most of the time when you're asking the questions. And again, I'm, I've got 40 years of this in now and uh, seems like a week, but it's been 40 years and, and the gray hair is showing here. Uh, <laughs> but, but every story that I look back on with immense pride about something I really had to work hard to get or really had to, to, um, get someone convinced that they could tell me this story that was so important to them. Uh, the only reason they did that was because a trust was built and a trust was built over time. And when you, when you eliminate that part of the business, then what you're doing is you're turning reporters into stenographers. You can't think, you know, outside the box. You can't do things that we like to do. Um, your old partner, Gary Lawless, was terrific at telling somebody's story because he got people to trust him. 
And, and that's what the best people in the industry do. And if we don't have those relationships, we're not at, how do you get the trust? You're at the rink, you're in the airport, you're in the hotel, they see you here, they see you there. You, they get to know a little bit about your family. They get to know a little bit about who you are, or what you're about. Let's give you a quick story. Ty Domi was with the Maple Leafs. And in one of my great moments in life, um, I, I scrambled his, the letters of his name in a Sunday column because he had just sucker punched um, Samuelson from the Rangers in the face. And if you, if you um, scramble the letters of Ty Domi's name, you come up with me, idiot. <laughs> and so I wrote that, you know, because he had done something somewhat idiotic. Um, so it turns out he, the next day I'm in the leaf room because you always have to show up when you, when you do something like that. Um, and so I show up and, and as I'm walking into the dressing room, Doug Gilmore yells, he's here. Like <laughs> just, just to let Domi you know, you know, that he was waiting for me. So at that point we didn't have a whole lot of a relationship. And he starts telling me about his history of his family from Albania and where the name Ty comes from and how his father named him that and the importance of it for, from a family point of view and how, you know, you making fun of my scrambling my letters was disrespectful to my family. And we had a really back and forth, what started out as a difficult conversation. And as time went on, um, but by the end of it, you know, we're talking about, you know, our love of boxing and we're talking about different, you know, sports we like. And, and before you knew it, you know, we had a 20 year friendship. And I always say a friendship as in we're going out for dinner or we're, but when I'm in the room, he'd always be a guy I'd stop by to talk to. And if I ever needed to really know what was going on, you kind of whispered in his ear, like, like you do whenever you have those kind of guys, you know, on your, on your teams that you cover. And, you know, to this day, if I, if I texted him right now and said, I'm on radio in Winnipeg, he probably, you know, or on podcast or whatever the hell we're on now. What is this? We're, we're on the internet, Steve. Uh, okay. This is uh there will be a podcast. We're live on YouTube. You know, okay. wherever we are, if I texted him and said, we're on this, he'd say, how do I get there? And, and probably want to find out what it was I was saying about it. But, if you <laughs> but, but you can't do that now. Like we're in the Stanley cup final now. And, and I'd love to be having conversations with Nick Suzuki or, or, um, any of the people involved, be it Carey Price or, or Shea Weber last night. Like Shea Weber last night almost loses Montreal the, St- the Stanley Cup at the penalty, right? And, and we don't even get a chance to talk to him. He's not on the Zoom. <laughs> you know, it's like the team is like, oh, we're not, he didn't do anything important. We're not putting him on there. Four minutes in penalties in overtime. <laughs> three of them in overtime, one before. You know, that was nothing. Probably the four biggest moments of his career. Uh, we don't get no. to talk. Uh, it, it, it is unfortunate. And that's been something that I think the media has dealt with. And, uh, you know, certainly the fans and the leagues, and you're right. There's some people that will love it. There's some, I think that see the bigger picture though, and realize that it is problematic and it's not good long-term as you try to grow the game. Listen, I, I didn't mean to get down this rabbit hole of the media, but since we're talking about it before we move on to the cup final, and I want to get to the tennis with you as well. This industry has gone through incredible changes over the time that you've been doing it. Now that as we sit here in 2021, we've seen what's happened to newspapers over the last number of years. We've seen what's happened to some very successful sports radio stations in the entire business. And believe me, we know it here. That's why we're doing it in this format and enjoying it, though. Um, 
If there was a young person that looks to you as one of the most experienced professionals in this industry and says, Steve, I want to, I want to be, uh, I want to do what you do. I want to be a, a, a sports media uh, personality, a journalist and whatnot. What's your advice to somebody, a young person in 2021, considering how much this industry has changed and in the minds of many for the worse? It bothers me to say this, but I went to a, a school in the Toronto area about a year ago and was basically asked the question you're ask, asking now. They said, what advice would you have for someone who, who wants not necessarily follow in your footsteps, but to, to have a similar kind of career? And the first thing I said, and it broke my heart kind of to say it, was have a plan B. Because, and I'm not saying that being a wise guy or anything. When I started out in Calgary in the basically late 70s, early 80s, I was 22 years old in Calgary. Um, By the time I was 23, the Flames had moved from Atlanta and I was covering the NHL. In, in our newspaper or in Alberta at that time, in their 20s, Alan Mackey was in his 20s. Eric Dehachik was in his 20s. David Schultz was in his 20s. Ron McLean doing television was in his 20s. Um, Cam Cole was in his 20s. Like, if, if you look, look at the country right now, are there anybody in their 20s working in significant newspaper jobs anywhere? They don't exist. And so the opportunity when in, the, in those days, newspapers were primarily, I mean, they were still in chains, but they were primarily in independent chains. So there was the seldom chain and there was, you know, there was still the sun chain and the seldom chain. And, and now it's like pretty much everybody's owned by one or two people in broadcast and in, in, in newspaper. And so I went to Calgary in 1979. In 1980, I switched newspapers in Calgary. In 1982, I switched newspapers again in Calgary. I just don't think that kind of career is possible in today's world. I don't think you see guys who were a year out of school in a new market. Like there was no NHL in 1978 in Canada outside of Toronto, Montreal. In 79, Winnipeg and, and Edmonton showed up in Quebec City at the time. Um, and, you know, you think about it, the opportunities for young people in markets like Winnipeg and, and Edmonton and Calgary and, and those kind of places, um, it was phenomenal. It, it just, you know, and again, I wish, I wish it, it was available for 20-somethings today. I worked for the Toronto Sun. I mean, I worked for the Sun newspaper chain and by, by, I guess, by, by also of that post media. Uh, I don't think we have anyone on our staff under 40. And I don't know when the last time we hired someone was. And that is the, uh, the sad reality of the business right now. And it has forced people to pivot. It has forced people to get creative. It has forced people to take, the content elsewhere, we are seeing a change. But you know the you know the the institutions like the newspaper, like TSN, and like Sportsnet. Um, you know, we have seen just such significant changes over the last you know few years, and unfortunately, it's been at the expense of a lot of talented people in the industry. But it's also had an incredible effect on 
the filling of the funnel with young people coming through these programs that are certainly very much able and capable of starting their careers, the jobs just aren't there. Yeah. No, and what we're also seeing is that clever, smart, aggressive young people in the right places in things that frankly amaze me because I'm not modern enough to, to sort of understand it all. Come on. But I'll use, um, Steve Dangle, as an example, or Caleb Gray, or or Sean McKenzie, they're all involved with forms of media I'm not real familiar with and or supportive of. Um, but they're they're succeeding and they're finding ways to succeed and they're making names for themselves. Uh, how somebody cheering for the Leafs and screaming at his screen has become popular that's you know for, for other people to determine it doesn't it doesn't work for a guy in his 60s but you know the world isn't planned out for guys in their 60s <laughs> steve simmons is with us on winnipeg sports talk daily so let's get to uh, a couple of the big sports topics right now um so the habs live to see another day you sort of you know when we were talking about the media side talked about shea weber in the longest four minutes of his life hands up i was the first one to admit i thought that we would not be seeing a third minute of overtime and tampa would be celebrating on bell center ice last night um does this do anything to the series other than extend it for a game or uh I mean, we've seen the habs do some pretty crazy and special things just ask the toronto maple leafs well uh, and the jets one, the one thing i will say is last night's game, we could finally say we saw a great Stanley Cup final game because the first three games were not. Uh, one team played well, the other one didn't. There wasn't a, a much drama in any of those games. I mean, last night it was, I think there were five lead changes, uh, something like that, and just just an interesting hockey game played really well by two teams. And the puck... The Stanley Cup winning goal is on Nikita Kucherov's stick, the leading scorer in the playoffs. Ryan McDonough makes an absolutely special pass to him right beside the goal crease. He's right beside the post. And nine out of ten times, Kucherov puts that in. And on the tenth time, he clanks it off the post. And so, you know, there's a game five now. And I just think this Tampa team – now, we can talk about all Montreal did against Toronto and Winnipeg and, and Vegas, and it's, it is special what the Habs have done. It, it's blown me away, and it's special. But Tampa, I think, is a different animal. They understand winning. They, have, they, they just get it. And they have so many parts and pieces to that team. You know, one day it's Kucherov and Point. And the next day, it's Vasilevsky. And the next day, their defense is scoring. And the next day, the third line, Goudreau and, and those fellas are, are Yanni Gord. Is there a, I thought Winnipeg's third line, frankly, was, was the best in the NHL during the season. You know, when you look at the Tampa third line now, they're playing at a whole different level. And, and they just understand how to win. And when you see all that, and, you, and they've got people like Tyler Johnson on their fourth line. So you look at the depth and, and how, the, of course, the salary cap good fortunes with Kucherov missing the whole year work out for them. But this is a team that could win this year. And really this is a team that could win next year. And then after next year, when they're going to have to play pay Braden point is when they're going to have to start tearing things apart because, you know, once he's into that 9 million range, then you're losing a, a 
a real good player somewhere else in, in your in, in your top of your lineup. And that's going to be the challenge for that group. But this is a special hockey team with special players and a special coach. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And I mean, they will need to, you know, trim a few players this offseason because it's been well documented. They're as presently constructed far above the NHL cap, which is a topic we get a lot. And I, I did enjoy you referring to it as good fortune because some would say good fortune. Others would say, uh, yeah, the good fortune was being in a position that you could afford to keep the best player on your team just skating and, you know, getting ready to make his comeback just in time for the playoffs when the cap's not an issue. But guess what? Most athletes, if they lose an entire season, will not step back into the perch and be right at the top of their games. Most aren't going to come out and smack home runs, or, or however you want to put it. Kucherov's leading the playoffs and scoring. He's not even leading. He's up like a, by a bunch. He's just had a fabulous, second straight fabulous playoffs. Yeah, because he was ready for two months. <laughs> you know what? No, because no. the only way you sort of get ready is to play. You know, if, if, if players get ready by training, then the first and second games of the NHL season – would you'd see guys really on top. They don't get on top of their games till 20 games in. And what's impressed me so much about, I mean, Kucherov's skill level is just so high to begin with. And his smarts are so high to begin with that he has that advantage. But I think, you know, the very fact that he's got 30 points again, two years in a row. And the only people who've ever done that, Lemieux and Gretzky at a time when scoring 30 points was a lot easier than it is now. So, you know, got to, you have to, give your props to this fellow. And to me, it's a two-man race for the Conn Smythe Trophy, which should be presented Wednesday night, because I suspect Tampa will end this, you know, on Wednesday. And that two-man race is uh, the man you just mentioned, Nikita Kucherov, and I imagine the goaltender, who many thought was robbed of the Vesna Trophy a few weeks ago. Well, he should have, you know. It's funny, because the general managers voted one way, because they vote for the Vesna, and they Marc-Andre Fleury was sort of, I think, the the populist choice. And so he got, he got it. And he had a great year. So you can't argue with him sort of being there. You can argue with him being first ahead of Vasilevsky, because if you look at the NHL all-star voting, which is done by the writers, you know, we, we take a lot of grief sometimes for our votes. You know, this year, I think in this year we outvoted the GMs, you know, the GM has put Flurry as the Vezina trophy winner and the writers put Vasilevsky as the first team all-star. I'll 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 side with the writers on that one. Uh, Steve Simmons with us here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're giving him a follow at Simmons Steve. Let's get to tennis. Um, historic day tomorrow for Canada. Two young Canadians in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. You've covered the sport for a long time. The growth of this era of Canadian tennis has been fascinating. It sort of started with the women. And now we've got, um, well, we've got a situation that um, Canadians might be taking the day off work tomorrow if they want to see Shapovalov uh, and, and Felix go at it. Um, how impressed are you with these two young men and how big of a day was yesterday for Canadian tennis with them both winning at Wimbledon to move on to the final eight? Well, I think where it's going to really get fascinated, as, as great as it is right now, I want to see it two years from now. Because in about two years... Federer will be gone, and Nadal will be just about gone, although he's not in this tournament, and and Djokovic will be, you know, one step closer to being gone. And then all of a sudden, this thing's winnable. It's still not winnable, I think, while the big guys are there. 
And we watched, you know, you, you say it started with the women. It actually started, I think, with the men, with Milos Raonic sort of becoming a top 10 player. And then Bianca Andreescu winning the, you know, winning That's the fair. Open. Although, you know, for a, for a moment in time, Jeannie Bouchard was, was a real factor, um, not for very long. And we're seeing somewhat the same thing now with Jeannie, with uh, Bianca. We don't even know where her game is. These two kids are fascinating because of their background, their age. They're both electric players to watch. They're like they're probably the two or four, two of the four most entertaining tennis players in the world right now. And and this is just the beginning for them. Like, you know, you look at you know where Federer and Nadal, they're on, they're in their thirties. They're all you know guys who've been around a long time. These are just, you know, early 20s guys, and they grew up playing against each other in junior tournaments, and they grew up, I don't know if you know this, they played juniors Wimbledon doubles together. Oh, yeah. And won the doubles. Um, uh, So they've been sort of rivals and friends and partners for a few years, and both of them have had, Shapovalov probably a little bit more, he's had moments where you think, this is the breakthrough. Here it comes right now. And then he falls back a bit and then he gets, this is the breakthrough. And then he falls back a bit. So it's, it's hard to know if he's got the, I can do this all the time kind of temperament because so much of tennis is learning to win the, the important point. The talent level from the top 25 to one is phenomenal across the board. The difference between the guys that win and the guys who don't. And, and we see it because, you know, they're playing on grass here. You know, a few weeks ago on clay, you get a different style of player. And then when you get to the fast court at the U.S. Open, you get even a different style. And so people are sort of finding their places. One of the things that makes Federer so amazing is is he he can play on all this stuff or has had success basically on all this stuff. Um, And and we're going to find out whether I don't think either of the Canadians are ready to win Wimbledon. But just the fact that they're doing this. I mean, again, I grew up at a time where it was exciting when Glenn Michibata qualified to get in the tournament. Mm. One Canadian, you know, you know, and it's uh, to see these guys doing what they're doing. I hope every kid 15 and under in this country is now grabbing a racket and going out to play. It, it is a phenomenal game. And uh, and. And boy, it's it's lots of fun. Well, let me ask you that, Steve, because I'm obviously a bit younger than you. But I mean, I grew up as a big tennis fan. I played it. Um, I watched all the tournaments and there were never any Canadians in there. And it seemed like, you know, we just were we didn't have the athletes. We didn't have the facilities. We didn't have the coaching. It, it the, the thought of what we're going to see tomorrow wasn't even in the realm of reality. How did this happen? I mean, what was the catalyst for this rise in Canadian tennis in your mind? I think starting with just like some success at Davis Cup and things like that, with maybe with Daniel Nestor and with the Olympic gold, maybe in 2000. Um, but after that, Raonich came in and he had the big serve, although I've never found him to be a real attractive player to watch. Tennis Canada has put a lot of money into coaching and development of young athletes, and they have centers of excellence which is what they've done in a lot of other countries for a lot of other sports. You, you get your best players when they're young, you put them all together and, and you train the heck out of them and you see which guy is going to become the next this or the next that. 
And so often, it's there's a parent coach that's involved. In, in Shapovalov's case, it was his mother. Um, in Ronich's case, it was his father. Like it, it, it's different people for different players. And um, and so when you, and now when you see guys having success, like the twelve year old now wants to say, "Boy, I'd like to be that guy." Because I can see it's possible. You know, you couldn't see it was possible. When I was a kid, I couldn't see it was possible. I had a friend that I knew from I know, high school was the right place who played Bjorn Borg at a Canadian Open in 1979. And he lost, I think, 6-1, And that was like, for all of us young guys, that was the highlight of all highlights. You know, he got to play Bjorn Borg at the Canadian Open. Um, but no one ever gave him any shot of going past the round and no one ever did in those days. And now it's like, you know, when you have the Rogers cup in Toronto and Montreal, you're going to want to watch Bianca. You're going to want to watch these guys. You're going to want to watch Leila Fernandez. And, and so there's always along with the modern Bjorn Borgs, the, the Federers and the Nadals and the Serena Williams and, you know, Ash Barty and all those people, you know, you're going to want to see yours against theirs. And it's really set up a brand new sort of Canada versus the world. I mean, we had a disappointing week in basketball, obviously. It's the same thing in basketball now. We've we've got real basketball players. We've got real tennis players. We have real golfers. We have, like, the, the way this country has expanded in sport is is quite phenomenal. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I'm glad you brought up the basketball. It was on my list to talk. I haven't been as gutted over a loss um, uh, in any sport in a long time. I was really excited. And I think a lot of people were that finally we were going to see this, you know, incredibly talented young group of Canadian NBAers represent our country on the world stage. And um, it ended with the thought in, in a crazy, I mean, the comeback to get the game to overtime was brilliant. I think once that happened, everyone sort of relaxed. All right, this should be this should be a win. And then it didn't happen. Um, just your take on the game and how big of a setback is this for a program that everyone expected would be competing in this summer's Olympics? I don't think it's a setback for a program because I don't really know what the program is. The program is I'm going to phone you and ask you if you'll come and play. And if you'll come and play and you say, yes, that's great. And if you can't, then I'll chase the next guy. And it's like the first 10 guys to say, yes, well, there's your team. Basically. I mean, there's more than 10, but, but that's, that's who's going to play for you. And, and what we've discovered, not just this time, because this is, was more heartbreaking because of the circumstances, because it was at home, because of how they went to overtime and, and how they you know, scored all those points in the last minute. And then went ahead five, nothing, I think to start, to start the overtime and it looked like, Oh, this is, this is happening. Um, but what you realize is a, a group of players who've come from this team and that team and that team, and have just come together for four days to, to form a team or five days or a week or whatever it is. They don't beat teams. They don't beat teams that have been playing together for 10 years. And, 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 and that's why even in the games they won in this tournament, I thought Canada looked spotty um, because they weren't a team. They were a collection of individuals. And when one of the individuals got hot or whatever, that worked. But for the most part, you know, it, 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 they didn't look like a team. They didn't look like a team that trusted each other or knew how to play defense or, 
or d- did the kind of things, um, boxing out and rebounding and pick and roll and all the things you do as a team that come naturally. Well, this didn't look like anything came naturally. It looked like everything was forced. You know what I'd love to do? And I might do this for Sunday's column if I can. Get the stats from the loss on Saturday to Czech Republic and get the stats from the loss in the game in Mexico a few years ago. Oh, to Venezuela? They lost to Venezuela. And what I'd like to see are their three-point shooting numbers. Because the three-point shoot, and it's easier to shoot three points in FIBA, by the way. It's a shorter three points than the NBA. Three-point shooting numbers at one point in that game was less than 20%. You should shoot 35%. That's about where you should shoot. 33, maybe. Um, If they had shot 33%, they win that game by 10 points. Um, So you have to, I think what they're going to have to do is really specify what is a team going to look like. We need a guy specifically there to shoot threes. Who's it going to be? Is it Nick Stauskas? Who is it going to be that will be your three-point guy? You know, every and 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 they got killed by that by that that old, is really yeah, old, the wily old. veteran. Yeah, what was he 30, thirty-nine or something years old? The guy who played like seven seconds in the NBA or something. You know, and, and yet and what you find with those kind of guys, they've been playing international ball. Although in his case, I think he's been off for a year, hanging in Chicago with his family or something. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you're seeing really good NBA players like, like Andrew Wiggins and, and, and RJ Barrett, things like that. And, and this old guy, you know, who looks like he needs a hair replacement, um, you know, is, is, is firing up threes and, and they can't hit one of them. Uh, and, and so you're going to have to build this into a team somehow for the next Olympic Games. And how you go about doing that and whether Nick Nurse is, is your choice as a coach or, or, or whether it's just will take NBA players only. Maybe they got to bring in some European veterans. Maybe they got to bring in a few guys from, that play there and, and, and do something. And, you know, I think we saw some really interesting and good. Like, I love Lou Dort. I don't know. What, uh, as a, oh, yeah. Like, what he's a, a monster. Guy. Yeah. He's like, a, he's like an apartment building with shoes. You know, <laughs> you know. Guy could play defense. Guy can hit jumpers. Guy can do all these things. It was, you know, uh, it was fun to watch him. And to me, it was fun to watch, you know, Nikhil Alexander, who I you know, I know his brother. We all know his brother, Shai Gildas Alexander. But, you know, I hadn't seen him much, and I was very impressed with, with how he played. And Barrett's just going to get better. But it's, you know, I think more than anything, they have to discover what is a team, what makes a team, and, you know, and how do you decide to put that together with, and there's an asterisk in all of this, with all of the NBA um, stuff involved? Like, is, is a guy a free agent this year? Can we use him? Is his agent going to let him play? Is his team going to yeah. let him play? Like, where was Dylan Brooks? Uh, I know uh, uh, the Ke- Kelly Olynyk probably would have helped with three-pointers. Uh, he couldn't play because he's a free agent and didn't want to, you know, take a chance of inju- injuring himself. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks never gave a reason why he wasn't there. Same with Tristan Thompson said, Oh yeah, I want to play. When push came, <laughs> where was Tristan Thompson? I mean, he's Kardashian somewhere. I don't know where. Um, and so, yeah, it's heartbreaking for me. For, I've got to be honest with you. I don't cheer very often for anything other than stories. I really wanted this team to qualify. I'm not going to the Olympics. I really wanted to have the ability to sit at home 
and watch Canada play basketball at the Olympics. And it hasn't happened since 2000. I was there in 2000 when it did, and it was fascinating then with Steve Nash and R.J. Barrett's dad and some other guys on that team. And I think it'll be fascinating again in the next summer, summer games, you know, three years from now, we can say, because that's, that's the way it works. I was, that was the one that was the one bright side of losing. At least it's only a three year wait as opposed to four until the next time. Steve Simmons is with us. Cy, this has been so much fun. And it's just great having you on a program because we can talk about so many different things. Before we go, got to quickly ask you your thoughts on this exciting young Blue Jays team. And while we're at it talking about it, I mean, what would be an MVP season for Vladdy Guerrero in almost any other year? How much have you enjoyed this phenom Shohei Otani and what he's doing right now? Um, really, for the first time since Babe Ruth. Well, I'm going to name drop for a moment here. Um, my buddy Perry Manazian, who used to be with the Blue Jays, is the general manager of the Los Angeles Angels. First year GM there. And uh, and so every once in a while, I'll, I'll shoot him a text message or he'll shoot me a text message. And it will almost always be, oh, my God, this is what Otani did today. <laughs> or, oh, my God, he's doing that. It's incredible. And, every and night. One of the fun, funny things is, the All-Star Game's coming up, right? They're trying to figure out a way to change the rules to let him pitch and then hit, and then they take him out as a pitcher, but they leave him in as a hitter. Like Because that goes against the rules, right? If you take him out as a pitcher, his, his day's over. They're trying to figure out a way to break the rules or change the rules so that they can get him in. I mean, I looked this up because I was just curious. You know, we... We all know or should know Babe Ruth was an amazing pitcher, um, you know, before he became the great Babe Ruth slugger. And he won 20 games a few times with, with the Boston Red Sox. And I thought he also had big home run years in his big pitching years. But when I looked it up, he had all his big pitching years. And then when he stopped pitching is when he had the big home run years. Right now, Otani's on pace for 60 home runs. <laughs> And who who the heck and it with it with an earn run average under three. Like like again, Vladdy Guerrero's having maybe the greatest offensive Blue Jay season in history. There's been some good players over the years, from from Batista and Encarnacion and Carlos Delgado, George Bell. I looked this up too. His numbers right now are better than all of them. In in a single season, I mean if he keeps this up, if this continues for the rest of the season. His numbers are better than all of them. And I don't think he can win the MVP if, if Otani keeps doing this, just because it's just so unlikely. So it's kind of unfortunate in a way. Delgado got ripped off, I think, one year. He should have won the MVP, and I think being in Toronto hurt him. Alex Rodriguez won. And when you look back, especially, it was one of those Alex Rodriguez steroid dash years. So you can yeah. argue that. You can argue that in retrospect, but, you know, Watching, watching to go to the Blue Jays for a second, from a one to nine, this is about as pleasurable a team as I've seen in Toronto in a, in a very, and that includes those two, 2015 and 2016 team. This is a pleasurable up and down line, lots of different aspects, lots of different players with power. Marcus Semien's been an absolute joy to have at second base. And then you take the bats away from them. They don't feel particularly well. They don't run bases particularly well. 
their starting pitching has been better than anybody thought it was going to be, but their bullpen has been a rather disastrous thing. And so they're, I think now, 10 games, 9 games behind Boston. And if you look at their lineup and you look at Boston's lineup, just 1-9. to nine. I like their lineup better. I think they have the best 1-9 to nine in the American League other than Houston. And, but, and the starting pitching now that Manoa's there and, and Ray has had a really good year is, is decent. But the bullpen, the defense, and I'm going to add in the managing, uh, to me, have been a problem. And it's unfortunate that they're, they don't look like a playoff team unless they go out and win 50 of the final 80. And that's what they're going to have to do to get in, I think. Well, uh, there's no doubt that the future's bright, and we'll see whether they can kind of push for one of these wild card spots. But in the meantime, I echo everything you're saying. A very, very fun team to watch, and it doesn't matter what sport you're into. There has been no one more exciting to watch than Shohei Otani. Steve, thanks so much for your time, as always. You have a great one, and we really appreciate you joining us here in the PEG on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Anytime. I'm always here. <laughs> thanks. Let's do it again sometime. There he is, Steve Simmons. Give him a follow if you're not already at Simmons Steve on Twitter. Um, of course, he's got great calmness and one of the, the great calmness. And Steve, uh, everyone has an opinion on Steve and he knows it. I mean, sometimes he'll say things that'll piss a lot of people off. And uh, But it was interesting to see everyone in the chat saying, um, you know, how much they enjoyed the conversation, even if they maybe came in. Um, you know, maybe having a different opinion of Steve. He's uh, truly one of the best in the business and uh, a great friend of ours, known him since we were doing the show back with Gary over 10 years ago and really appreciate Steve coming on with us today on the program. Um, you know, we've got a couple things to get to. We did hit the cool bet lines earlier. Uh, we've got to get to Assiniboia Downs and the track coming on tonight. And we'll do that in a second. Um, let's get Michael Remus back in here, though, uh, because while we were talking to Steve Simmons, it seems like there was a little bit of breaking Jets news on a signing and extension of one of the members of the Jets that we saw sort of make a debut late in the season going into the playoffs. Remo, Dominic Toninato, back for two. Yes, uh, I put it out on all of your uh, social medias. The Jets came out with the release. Uh, they've agreed to terms with forward Dominic Toninato on a two-year contract with an AAV of $750,000. So, I mean, two-year deal, a two-way contract, men's salary. You need the, you know, he showed he can contribute. I know he was hurt most of the year. He showed up in that game one of the playoffs. I mean, I don't think... I think you have to be pleased. They got a guy under a contract. We're trying to figure out if he's eligible to be exposed in the expansion draft because um, he didn't really play last year. So I'm not. I'm just trying to get some clarification on that. But um, yeah, way, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's good because um, he's got the 46 games the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, this signing does have expansion draft written all over it because the Jets did need to re-sign one of their players. I believe they needed another guy to become compliant. So we'll confirm that with the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Jets, but I'm pretty sure. And from Tom and Tominato's standpoint, um, you know, I think he realized towards the end of the year, once he recovered from what he went through with the injuries and having COVID, um, you know, he fit in and he impressed immediately. Um, I mean, he didn't debut for the Jets, Remus, in the 56-game season until game 55. That was his first game of the year. And um, then you saw him, um, you know, go and play uh, three games in the playoffs and score a goal. So he obviously impressed the coaching staff and Paul Maurice. And what I do remember about him coming into the lineup was that Maurice said, hey, this wasn't honestly as much my call 
is that, you know, getting direction from Pascal Vincent and some of the other coaches, I believe, that had worked with Toninato uh, as he looked to come back. And they said, this is the guy that seems to be the most ready. And um, he certainly was. He quitted himself quite well in those three playoff games that he played for the Winnipeg Jets this year before, um, you know, healthy players came back into the lineup. Yeah, I remember he had some nice shifts uh, with Christian Veselainen as well in the playoffs. Again, it's really you know tough to make a determination. He played only a handful of games for the Jets, but you wonder, does he t- take on an increased role? I mean, what does it mean for uh, guys like Thompson and Lewis who are UFAs? Um, Harkins, I guess we kind of, and it, well, it depends on you know who gets picked from the Jets. Is it Mason Appleton? There's another spot that would open up. Andrew Kopp, he's an RFA. What happens? With him, we did go into, into detail with that with Brandon Ruicki yesterday on his Skates and Plates podcast, which is now available. So, I mean, we'll have to we'll ha- again we'll have to wait and see, um, uh, see well you know what happens with this expansion. But the Jets are inking uh, Toninato. Yeah, so two year deal, seven hundred fifty k, basically right there at the league minimum. Depth player for the club. Uh, you can play in the NHL, can play presumably in the American Hockey League, and. You know, I'm pretty sure the timing of this decision, making sure they got him signed, um, you know, is also part of uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets being cap compliant with enough people under the expansion rules to expose to the Seattle Kraken. So that's some interesting breaking news this afternoon. Um, And again, thanks to Steve. That was, how did you enjoy that convo with Simmons? I mean, hit a number of different topics. It was interesting to get into. I didn't really plan to get into the state of sports media right off the bat. But mm-hmm. when you have an opportunity to get Steve to talk to something like that, it was really, really interesting to see his take on it. And, and I'm very interested to see kind of from what he said. I mean, you get differing opinions on both sides of it, but, you know, presumably we get through this pandemic and we get into next season, let's just say, or let's say it takes another year and the following season after that, are we getting back to having the beat reporters and the people covering the league mm-hmm. getting a little bit more time in with the players? Because, I mean, there's no doubt that the way people have done their jobs has been impacted significantly. And, you know, I think the ability for them to put out quality work and to tell the stories of the league and the teams and the players has been significantly impacted. Yeah, I would agree. I know the NFL, it seems like if you're vaccinated, you can pretty much go back to normal. But if you're not vaccinated and an NFL reporter, I think you they're basically telling you not to come to the stadium. Uh, that might be some exaggeration, but does the NFL or does, do other leagues follow suit with the NFL? Because it seems like the NFL is kind of taking the lead here and saying to their players, you know, if you, you need to get vaccinated and telling it to their media as well. So uh, something, I think that's something to watch going forward. I mean, it's interesting to see, you know, Talking to Steve, some guy, someone who's been around for 40 years and incredible saves in Calgary before there was an NHL team. But, you know, talking about young people coming in and he's referencing, you know, Steve Dangle, who's kind of made for made a name for himself here on YouTube. And Steve is, you know, smart enough to be like, hey, I might, you know, not think that this is a, a thing, a guy yelling into a camera about the Maple Leafs. But you look at the number of subs he has on here, the number of his views. I mean, there's 30,000 people watching the games with him during the cup final, and he's not even a, a Habs fan. His, his market is Leafs. So obviously, I think if you're a young person and you are listening, just go out and do it. Make a YouTube channel, write a blog, or, or I think you, there's ways uh, you can do it on your own. Uh, now, maybe well, you And unfortunately, you'll yep. probably have to do it that in, yes. in a lot of ways, because as he mentioned, I mean, the opportunities, I mean, even the opportunities, I mean, I've really only been in this business for just over 10 years. 
um, you know, kind of like doing it full time, like without something else. And I mean, just seeing how le- how fewer jobs there are in Winnipeg in that period of time is, I mean, it's insane. And I mean, I'm not just talking about TSN, you know, cutting, 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 cutting over the course of the years that basically left us as a shoestring operation to which point then they closed the door, even though there was absolutely money to be made there at the station. But I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at the newspapers and I mean, the size of the sports departments and I mean, all the great individuals that used to be writing. I mean, think about the free presses lineup back. They had Gary, Tim, Ed Tate. I mean, Tim's with NHL.com. Ed's with the Bombers. Gary's moved on via TSN to the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, a lot of those talented people are going elsewhere and yes, you do get a lot of that coverage within the teams right now. But again, that also goes back to, uh, I think, kind of what Cy was talking about right the, uh, at the beginning, um, that this has given teams and power brokers even more of an ability to sort of, quote, control the message, um, which at the end of the day, I don't think is great for their fans or customers, to be perfectly honest, as much as it might make certain people's jobs easier. Yeah, I agree. And it was... That was a fun story about um, Ty Domi calling him uh, I- idiot. <laughs> Me idiot. <laughs> Me idiot. And then having to go and, you know, he said, I went into the room and Doug Gilmore's like, hey, he's here. Everyone come look at this guy. And obviously, you know, ended up having a positive relationship with Ty Domi. And then well, Steve's the like, thing- what What the hell are we on right now? What is this? What are, yeah. <laughs> what are we on? How, does, te- how do these things work? <laughs> I was texting him to come on the show and he came in here and I guess he had some technical issues. I'd send him a new link. He's like, I have no idea how any of this works. And uh, hey, he got on and we had a, a great conversation. I saw, I think it was Wrench Dudes. There was like, you know, Steve on the interview is a lot different than Steve uh, on Twitter. And I always love when you have one because, again, you can talk to him about tennis, Blue Jays, baseball. We've done boxing in the past and tons and tons of uh, experience. So uh, he's awesome to talk to. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And as uh, we just touched on while we were talking to Cy, uh, Dominic Toninato re-signed by the Winnipeg Jets. All right, Remo, uh, just quick update for you. Uh, soccer fans, 41st minute, 0-0 right now. Spain and Italy, semifinal of Euro 2020. The winner will take on the winner of tomorrow's Denver-England game, and the final will go Sunday afternoon. Um, Remo, man, I had a couple close calls yesterday at the track, but it did not go my way um, I really need a slump busting performance today when we uh, get to our picks on HPIbet.com for Assiniboia Downs. Do you have anything positive to report no. from your selections last night? Okay, is there a way at the track that I can bet on a horse to be like first place at the turn, like halfway through? Because I'm always <laughs> watching these races. Like a live bet. <laughs> I'm always watching these races and my horse is like, I pick a horse. They're like leading until the part where they have to turn. And then on the final stretch, they always fade. And I'm like, what is going on? It's happened like for the last like couple weeks. So I am on a bit of a down streak. And I tried, you know, I'm hitting. I tried that. Uh, I went with the, what, triactor. I didn't box it. And it was the wrong order. And I was pretty bummed. And I keep hitting like Quinnell or going for exactas and it's the wrong order. You know, I'll do a Quinella, I'll have the winner, but not the other horse. And I'm trying to pick guys who are winning, but they're not winning. It's, I was really hot to start, and now my bank account, I'm still up, don't get me wrong, I'm up, and I'm still beating you. But 
I'm on a bit you're of a killing me. I have made I have made no ground on you uh, other than well, I mean, even listen, no one wants to hear me bitch about this. But the one great pick that I had ended up being overturned by a challenge. I mean, that's like serious Murphy's law right now. Um, that being said, I have confidence that I'm going to get back into the winning the winner's circle tonight. Uh, Remo, where yeah. are you going with uh, with your selections for sure. tonight's uh, tonight's race? Apparently we have a uh, some, who's it, breaking a trade? Funky but chunky is breaking a uh, Blue Jays trade here. We can't be all over this, but it appears the Blue Jays have traded Rowdy Telez to the Brewers for reliever Trevor Richards. So the Blue Jays trying to get some relief help. Oh, here it is, Ken Rosenthal. Blue Jays are acquiring, or Brewers are getting Telez from the Blue Jays. Uh, return believed to be include Trevor Richards. Unclear if other pieces are in deal. So um, I had Trevor Richards. I think he used to play for the Marlins, and he used to be a starter. And I, I remember I had my fantasy team. He was decent. Um, so they have a lot of bats. Obviously, don't need Telez. Just trying to get some legit MLB arms. And then, yeah, uh, and 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 of course, um, you know, Richards came from the race. I guess what six weeks ago or so to uh, in the uh, the Brewers trade in the Adamas trade. So yeah, um, now he comes there, and as Jeff Passan says, this is just five minutes ago from passing. Uh, Rowdy Tillis is headed to the Brewers. Didn't have a spot in Toronto. Jays need relief, and right-hander Trevor Richards sources said is going to Toronto. He's now been dealt twice in the last six weeks. Um, but certainly, I mean, the Jets, Jays need those arms. And as mentioned, uh, Rowdy was sort of the odd man looking out as uh, yeah. the bats are the least of the problem right now for the uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, so glad we uh, got that. And I'll give you my uh, horse picks. Let me pull up the raises here. HPIbet.com. Great, great website. If you're looking for something to do, you don't like the NBA Finals, uh, we do have a Cinnabon Downs. You can watch it on YouTube, which I love. But here, let me uh, bring this thing up. There we go. I am, I'm going race two. I'm doing a Quinella, $10, four and six. Sophie McTrophy. I've bet on this horse before. Sophie McTrophy, I feel good. And Queen Jean. Sophie McTrophy, Queen Jean. That is a Quinella finishing first or second in any order. Those two horses. And race three, I am going with horse six. Proud and loud to win. Uh, proud and loud to win race three, five dollars, and another five dollar bet on race six. Horse one, my princess Ellie to win. I'm trying to keep it simple here, Huss. I'm picking horses, just trying to pick a winner. I'm tra- going back to the drawing board. I did one Quinella, just simple. I think simple is uh, is good for me at this time. Yeah, no, I can't say that that's probably bad. I I'm going to continue with a few Quinellas and my triactor. Um, and if I, if I offer tonight, I will completely change my strategy for Wednesday with, uh, maybe some win, maybe some win place show bets. Um, I'm just finishing my final selection here for the, uh, the sixth race, but I can tell you that in race one, I'm going to go with a one for Quinella. I'm going to do the same thing. One for Quinella in race two, I'm going to take race four, four and six on a Quinella. Race five, I'm going to do the $1 tractor box, which is the $6 bet. One, four, and five. And I guess if I add one more Quinella in race six, I can do all three of those, and I'll make them all three bucks, and that'll work out perfectly to $20. So for race number six, I like Fox Appeal uh, coming in at five to one. I guess Extrema is the heavy, heavy favorite 
maybe I'll try and pull one out. Let's go with number one, my Princess Ellie. So we're going to go a one one six in race number six. So uh, one four and one, one four and two, four six and four, one six and six, and then a one four five triactor wheel and five. I, I seem to be picking the same numbered horses. So hopefully, Remit will be a good night for horses that are running in the one and four spot as well as some six. But as we mentioned, the place to be for race night is ASD Live along with Kirk and Stretch. They'll get you ready for all the action beginning at 645 on the YouTube channel, along with updates throughout the evening and um, their thoughts on all the races. Um, and as I said, I've been loving it. I often have put the bets in beforehand, have run out and then come back and gone to the YouTube channel and then watch the races on a bit of a delay just as if they were live. So um, lots of different ways you can enjoy the live racing at Assiniboia Downs. And as of right now, the one way you can be at the track to watch is with a reservation in the dining room. Reservations are mandatory. Find out more at asdowns.com. Um, but if you are excited to get out there, of course, they've got incredible food at Assiniboia Downs. Could be a great night. And uh, we will await official word, hopefully in the next week or two, that fans are going to be allowed back in the grandstands. And when we do that at some point on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, we'll get the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang out there, have a bit of a get-together, and uh, throw some tunies down on the horses live and in person. And I cannot wait for that, Remus. We've had so much fun doing this online, but there's nothing like getting a couple tickets in your hand, getting a winner and going back in and cashing that ticket. Oh yeah. I, although I do like the mobile uh, betting. I, I think the HPI, once I figure out how to use it, uh, I think it's pretty good. And uh, I could just sit in my seat and, you know, do whatever I'm all, again, I've said this on this show, very intimidated by going up to the booth and having to use the lingo. Maybe now that I'm experienced horse better, but I think you're the, a veteran now, you now know, I'm, it all. now I'm a veteran, but even still, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to communicate in the uh, horse, horse lingo. I remember going, oh, even, even I, in Vegas, I was I was pretty nervous. Okay, so <laughs> what is, is so this? Is Mitch, Mitch is giving me some tips here. Huss, play a dollar exactor box for six bucks or two dollar quin box for six. Three horses in either. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Oh, it, oh, interesting. Okay, okay. You know, like you do because the exactor box has the three horses, and you just need one of the three. That's a good strategy. I will. I, that is what I'm doing tomorrow, Mitch. If I do not win, and and listen, you should follow Mitch on Twitter because, especially if you like the horses, I've been seeing a lot of. Uh, I just cashed a twenty three dollar sixty ticket at a Cinnaboy Downs mm -hmm. race one on HPIBet.com. So. Mitch has been getting some winners. We haven't been. It's been a little lean the past week. That being said, that can all change tonight. Again, asdowns.com and check out their YouTube and HPI bet for all the uh, all the action tonight. Remo, what's on tap this evening? Uh, we got NBA Finals, game number one. Giannis Antetokounmpo, as I mentioned earlier on the program, has been upgraded to questionable, which is great news for the Bucks. But no surprise, the Phoenix Suns are still the favorite. I do like Phoenix. I think they'll cover the number tonight. That's where I will be on tonight's game. And I did put a, I did go with a Suns in four series bet just so I can be doing Suns in four if they actually win. And that's plus 825. So uh, listen, if Giannis is really hurt and he's not able to do it, I think that number makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll go with that. I like the Suns. Um, I think I'm, you know, nice to see Giannis get a title. I mean, he's been a great player and MVP for a long time, but I think Chris Paul, 
I mean, he's having a Hall of Fame lengthy career. Devin Booker up and coming. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, I mean, former first overall pick. You ought to like the Suns. I did bring out my son's uh, Barkley jersey behind me. Yes, uh, Eric noticed that in chat. So I think I might be cheering for the Suns here. They're they're the favorite. I see a lot of people complaining about they don't have the star power um, of, you know, LeBron making it every year. I kind of like seeing, but to me, I, I'm me interested. I, I like seeing um, some, I mean, it's not like these players are nothing. I mean, Giannis has been MVP. Chris Paul is a great player. Booker is having a coming out playoff. So I, I'm in for this. I'll tune in. But I mean, maybe Milwaukee's a box without mark. Giannis really takes a huge hit. I mean, yeah. that's sort of his team. And Chris Middleton's good. And Drew Holiday's good. I mean, they have some players. Lopez was awesome in that last series. But I mean, a team without Giannis, I don't think stands much of a chance against Phoenix. And uh, yeah, you mentioned DeAndre Ayton. He's a monster, former number one overall pick. Booker's turned into a star. And Chris Paul, really, I think he'll be the sentimental favorite for MVP. I know he has been uh, labeled the uh, odd betting favorite to win playoff MVP or finals MVP, I guess. And um, hey, listen, the guy's never even been here before. He's played on some good teams. Finally his time. So I do think the Suns get it done. Not sure whether it'll actually be in four, but uh, Suns in four for the uh, for the oh. pick. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We can go. By the way, Suns in four guy. I mean, has anyone benefited more from being in a fight at a sporting event than Suns and Four Guy, usually you get arrested. You don't get celebrated by an entire city and a team. He tweeted out the uh, signed jersey that Devin Booker sent him, calling him a legend, and uh, said, "Don't forget hashtag Suns and Four at the end." So, um, I mean, he's got T-shirts now. He's uh, he's rolling. Uh, that night changed in one extra uppercut to a guy that sucker punched him and then finishing it off with the epic sons and four to the people that were video ca- videoing it on their iPhones. Full credit to this guy for taking advantage of his new celebrity fame. Uh, he's on cameo. He's got an NFT. Uh, he's selling off a custom yeah, action the figure. The one NFT is amazing. <laughs> like he's how much you think sons and four guy on cameo is. What do you think? Oh my God. That's I don't know. What this guy's charging. How much? Oh my God! Here, bring it up. There it is, seventy-four dollars on cameo. That's more than some like <laughs> legit celebrities. So that is absurd. You know what? I want Remo. You've always been a guy. I mean, we've been talking yesterday when we were talking fast food about the McDonald's value picks mm-hmm. meal, and you've always been one. I, I joked back in the warm-up days about you know putting out some Remus-approved deals. I would like. I would like a report at some point in a future show of Remus's, you know, top five value picks on the cameo menu. You know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to stretch your dollar and get as many messages as possible, who we can get right there. Chris Trevler. How much? Well, he was 15 like a year ago. Now he's 30. Now he's in the NFL. Doubled it. Yeah, he doubled it. So, I mean, I think it's worth it. I think, I think for 30 uh, US, I think that's, that's fine. Over 50, I think. It's like just give me the mi- the money instead. Is it really going to be going to be worth it? Uh, I'm has, not, anyone, has anyone in chat has anyone in chat uh, ever purchased a cameo? And if you have, let us know who it was and uh, what you thought of the final product right now. Thank you. Yeah, I'm oh, actually Leighton Janice, Willie Jefferson, amazing cameo. Got him for my dad. Uh, and you know what? I think my buddy Dom also got a Willie Jefferson cameo for his wife Andrea, who's a huge Bomber fan. For her birthday, 
And listen, we've had Willie on before. I mean, he's the best, the most loquacious individual around. And 20 bucks, that's a good value. Listen, let's do a pitch right now. If you're looking for a good cameo, Willie's got time. He's probably sitting going crazy right now for a week of quarantine. You can get a quarantine cameo from the land shark himself, the sack chef, Willie Jefferson, for only $25 a cameo. Yeah. Oh, Schickster says, what's Cameo? Oh, man, Schickster. Oh, Schickster. Okay. Cameo is a service where you go on, as you can see, uh, Willie Jefferson, and essentially you're, hi, Willie, here's 25 bucks. I want you to make me a personalized video message. It's for my brother's birthday. I want you to call him uh, old, over the hill, tell him you never had it. I mean, you can get some jokes in there. I mean, Willie will just straight up trash talk people if you want Mm -hmm. as well. Um, basically yeah. they'll do whatever you want within reason uh, on a video message and they send it to you and then you can send it to your friend or whoever the recipient of the message is. Maybe we should just get some Winnipeg Sports Talk hype videos from some of these guys, Reem, and make a collage of it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's personalized video greeting. I think if you want, there's sites that where if you want to use it for marketing purposes, you have to um, pay a bit more. And these are just for personalized you know, video uh, video greetings. But I've always, I've always liked browsing. I've never pulled the trigger, but I've considered a lot of them as uh, Owen Catelli, I think, wrote in chat as well. So I agree. I agree with that. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. for Remus. That would be, I'll go in with you on that one. That would, that might bring a tear to his eye and he doesn't get emotional very often, but that, that could be a moment, Owen. Oh. Great stuff. Oh, um, Owen Y says, uh, my sisters and I purchased a cameo from Colin Mockery from Whose Line for my father. It was pretty decent, but over a hundred dollars. I would Ooh, go in a group. See, I would do a group cameo. I wouldn't pay my own if it was over 100. You get people like, hey, do you want to pitch 20? You can get a video greeting because I think it gets, you can get pretty pricey. So, but I, I like <laughs> the idea. 18 over par, 18 over par podcast. Sean Avery did a great birthday cameo for a Pete. I assume he means Pete Moore. And <laughs> that would be a perfect guy to, uh, to do a cameo for. And listen, Avery quite um illustrious on the web if you will and um hey the guy can flap his gums there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that so he probably is a good cameo but yeah. i will say i think you brought it up the best value cameo in the biz right now has to be willie jefferson for 25 bucks yeah and a couple uh, other things before we wind down uh you know we talked with kyle ball here yesterday about jets legends uh the team put out their press release today saying that you know giving the schedule and he basically ran down all the episodes but they didn't release the what five minute feature on the nine eight game, which we loved. Watch but, that right now, folks, if you haven't. Yeah, the um but, and everyone yeah. that remembered. And I'm so mad, Remus. I mean, we all know that Ruwiki is a Flyers fan. I mean, mm. what a missed opportunity for us to sort of bug him about that last night when we jumped on skates and plates after with him because um he was having some unfortunate flashbacks today. I saw Brandon tweeting about that. That <laughs> that game was insane for a Jets fan. It must be a nightmare for a Flyers fan living in Winnipeg, even 10 years later. Yeah, I mean, what a legendary game. So uh, the Brian Little hat trick, Solani's return. I guess these are available like once, one a week uh, throughout the summer. So, I mean, five minute video. I, I've actually got it right here. So the 9-8 Philly yeah. win is available today. Uh, the Brian Little hat trick versus the Abs is going to debut on July 8th, so two days from now. 
Next week, Solani returns to Winnipeg. will be on July 12th, and then they'll release them weekly. Canadian Armed Forces Connection on the 19th, the Global Series in Finland on the 26th. Then into August, the first playoff series win against the Wild is on the 3rd. The 2019 Heritage Classic in Regina is the 9th. Um, it features on the community the 16th. Hellebuck's Vesna winning season special. That's on the 23rd of August. And the final one, as Balls mentioned yesterday, um, fueled by passion on the fans of the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the first 10 were so great. I've already seen the 9-8 game and <laughs> what a roller coaster it was. It's really wild hearing like Blake Wheeler and Mark Stewart talk about what it was like to play in that game as well as people around it. So you can check that out right now. Uh, and that's available you can get it to a lot of different places. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Jets mobile app, and their YouTube channel. And I know a lot of people watching us on YouTube. Just go to Winnipeg Jets. It'll be up there. You can find it and uh, enjoy the craziest game in Winnipeg Jets history, the 9-8 win. And then one other thing, uh, who uh, someone mentioned in chat, uh, the Gold Eyes put out uh, that survey. And uh, they wrote, as we, it's called, if and when we hope you and your loved ones are healthy and safe as restrictions loosen, we become more optimistic that we can welcome you back to Shaw Park soon. We're looking forward to it. So they want an anonymous three-minute survey on your comfort level. Uh, Questions are your comfort level to attend games, uh, the precautions that are important to you, what are you most looking forward to, um, and about uh, if you're into pod seating. And I wonder if that's going to be a thing. Uh, you know, maybe you have like a, your own little section, you know, roped off from other people and they asked, have you received a vaccine as well? So those are the, the questions from the gold eyes. And yes, if you are concerned about your medical information, you can decline to answer that question. Just if anyone is offended by me bringing up that the gold eyes are asking fans if they have the vaccine, just just thought I would put that disclaimer out there but uh i guess you know the border did open mike mcintyre went he went down uh had to do a little test before covid test before crossing the border but well, the border's not technically open he was able nope. to get across it which people are able to but thought- yeah you have to get the covid test at the uh at the airport and um and you know if he wasn't double vaccinated at least for manitobans i mean now we've got the rule where you don't have to you know if you are fully vaccinated you don't have to quarantine when you come back which is good uh, but listen, all that's going to change quite. Uh, all that's going to change quite quickly as well. Uh, the Earl does Nina Hartley do cameos? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> There's a blast from the past, Earl. Uh, interesting. Ric Flair, five hundred bucks for cameo. Um, the thing about the Nature Boy is he was literally built for this, and I think the demand will. The demand would get that. Um, but yeah, that is uh, <laughs> that, that's uh, that's a lot. I, um, I had to Google so, Nina Hartley. She's before my time. Yeah, yeah, she's a wily old veteran of the uh, of the game. But um, made a lot of videos. Not sure if she made many cameos. We will just leave it at. Is she on there? Um, I I don't think so. But uh, the Earl was just wondering. He was asking for a friend. If Nina Hartley, I'm not yeah. sure who you would have got her to do the cameo for. But uh, hey, you can get it for yourself. No one, uh, no worries at all. Uh, all right, great show today. I got to thank Cam Meredith for coming on. If you tune in a little later on, uh, absolutely great interview with Cam Meredith, the newest member of the Bombers, uh, with his 
brand new baby daughter in his arms who was just a little angel, behaved herself for the whole time, was great. Cannot wait to see him get on the field in training camp in this season with the blue and gold. And uh, really appreciate Steve Simmons coming on and spending the time with me. That was a real fun conversation. And of course, to everyone with us here in the chat live on YouTube and everyone listening at home uh, or elsewhere on their device via the podcast. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, anytime you can uh, hit us up with a rating and a review can really help. And uh, by the way, if you're with us in the chat, before you go, please do us a favor, hit that like button, give us the thumbs up. That always helps going forward. Um, we will, uh, we will certainly, uh, by the way, Rimo and Hasia, we should do some cameos one time soon. We'll uh, do that. We'll do that directly for our, for our listeners. You can buy a, buy something on the Winnipeg sports talk store and we'll do a cameo for you. How about that? Um, it's all up there right now. Get that, uh, hoodie t-shirt all available hats coming soon. And, uh, I did see a few people, uh, Nick and Nikki, the Earl had the, uh, the coffee mugs. So we do appreciate the support. Remus has put the link in the chat, but you can also, uh, look it up just at the website store.winnipegsportstalk.com and, uh, Get those up, and uh, once you get the merch, uh, take a pic, hit us up on social media, and tell us how you like it. All right, for uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors, Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bed, Assiniboia Downs, AkinsLake.com, Aikens Lake, and CoolBet.com. We will be back tomorrow. More anticipation for Bomber training camp. A little bit more on the Jets situation for expansion. Now that Dominic Toninato was signed. We we'll have the baseball. We we'll have the England-Denmark game going on as well. And game five of the Stanley Cup finals. It's all coming up tomorrow. Thanks again for being with us, everyone. Have a great day. And we'll catch you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We're out. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.